Welcome to Adventist Voices Spectrum's podcast. I'm Alexander Carpenter. Those of you who have been listening to this podcast for many years, I want to thank you for your support and thank you if you're a donor. We've had tremendous support as we closed out the last year. We're kicking off 2024 with an interview series of some people who are making a difference around the denomination and Longtime Spectrum columnist Dr. Hans Gutierrez is under the microscope right now in Europe. He is a is the chair of the theology department at the Adventist Seminary in Italy, Via Aurora, as it's commonly known. He recently published a book, Beyond the Bible, Beyond the West, in which he really pushes the church to think about hermeneutics in a way that can be open and affirming. And that's what's getting him into trouble, that idea of being more open and affirming. He recently had his theological credential questioned by the denomination, not the fact that he has a doctorate in medicine and he has a doctorate in theology, but rather that he's not doctrinaire enough. And so, in this conversation, I'm happy to share Hans Gutierrez talking about what has happened, how he's feeling, and perhaps what happens next. Yes, I knew Sister White. We will not fear. The kingdom is alive. The kingdom's on the move when the poor and the meek and the hungry and the lonely. I'll never forget it. They deprived me from uh, of the endorsement, so I'm now without an endorsement of the IBMTA from the, this division. Uh, as I said in the article I wrote. Uh, I don't deny at all the prerogative they have because we have some bylaws, institutions, they need to be guided by the, uh, a perspective. You know, we are not in the anarchy. We have, uh, we live in an institution, but I was reacted against uh, a kind of uh, unilateral use of these by rules, uh, essentially by three factors. The, the first one, I was never, ne- never informed directly I'm not saying that they need to, you know, establish with the imputed person the kind of the, you know, the punishment that imputed person uh, want to have. That is impossible, <laughs> you know, but at least the board needs to inform correctly. And that what hasn't happened. And I also was criticizing the lack of interaction with the local institution, no. And the, what is more important, the third point, is that up until now, except for the allusion to a, an article on homosexuality I wrote with some European colleagues in German, I don't have a specific, you know, a determination to what I have wrote, to what I have said. So there is no dossier. They are still working on the dossier. So I think that they could have made the dossier before, 
in order when they you know don't renew my endorsement they would have been able to say why they were doing so but up until now they have not presented a complete dossier that is a really arbitrary arbitrary use of the of the the the, the, the own rules and bylaws of the abmta e no this is what i'm content but i'm not making any battle against that the only motivation that pushed me to wrote that uh, article on spectrum is that you know when uh, you don't say something you are eaten by the by the bureaucracy so nobody knew about it all did was say, uh, did you say yeah, they eaten eaten in the sense that, that that if you don't say something if you are imputed of something you know uh, the process of the institutions just uh, uh, how you say i don't know uh, yeah they eat you up completely you yeah. disappear completely and so uh, it, it was my only reaction in order to be to to make it uh, uh, known that there is a process going on and that's enough i don't want to reply i don't want to add anything because it's also you know a, a matter of institutions boards uh, and they will work uh, about the final decision because this is not a final decision no they will meet i think in the coming months maybe three four months to make a final decision if they explicitly take away my endorsement or simply it was a suspension no the only thing positive thing that the, my article provoked uh, in the division is that the president of the board who is also the secretary of the division brother uh, barnama jaroshi wrote me before christmas and he uh, told me that uh, you know my endorsement was not negated was not suspended it was just postponed you know <laughs> i started laughing because you know for the real effects the endorsement is not there and i don't know who took that decision without having the complete dossier that's old but i don't i didn't want to argue with him i uh, thank him for his uh, kind uh, mail that came just afterwards and what's curious is that in one line of his email he says you know knowing you for so many years no i thought that it was important to write you this email so i just answered him saying but you knew that before you could have wrote me before you know uh, three months have passed by uh, you uh, you know tell me something write me something just after my article in the spectrum you know uh, but uh, is how, how more or less how it works i more or less uh, you know uh, uh, in peace because i have the uh, uh, you know i have the uh, uh, the support of my institution and also because i'm not so far away from the retirement <laughs> in the italian terms you know had has happened 10 years ago it could would have been more difficult 
more complicated. Also, one thing that helps me is that the the division has only one uh, university of the division. In Europe, uh, we have an anomaly of this because we have two, the the Cologne in France and Frieden South in Germany. Had been in one of these two institutions, probably I would have already been fired, probably, because they get a, a lot of economic support, but at the same time with the support, they have more control. Uh, while the other European institutions, like the Italian one, is also always dependent, but has some uh, uh, more uh, margin of uh, independence. So this is uh, uh, in my favor. Uh, uh, for this reason, I'm I'm not really worried. I was a bit disturbed and bothered by this incident, but I'm not really desperately you know, uh, worry about uh, my employment. They have guaranteed me my, you know, my teaching exercise. My the the, the president of my institution told me, you know, we we were to try to reverse that. But even if we don't succeed, eh, you don't will you will not lose uh, your your position. We will find a way of accommodate you, no. And so that gives me a lot of tranquility and serenity. You know, this is uh, concerning the endorsement. And I have received the support uh, that I didn't expect from a lot of colleagues, also from the uh, ASIRS institution, also the European one, in particular for the uh, German theologians. They have really not or only wrote to me, but also wrote to the division. I don't know what is going on. They were speaking about uh, 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 writing a letter of protest. I don't know if they've done that. I won't, I don't want to enter in that too much because I don't want to be accused of manipulating or, or, or trying to sell my situation. I just made one intervention protest is in a spectrum and that's it. I don't want to go farther, and the, even if the decision uh, goes against me, I will stop there, and and that's it. It's not my role of theologian to to defend myself. It's my role just to to make known what's going on, and I did already that, and that's enough. Hmm. Well, I'm glad to hear that you're feeling tranquil through this process yeah. and having a president who's supporting you is is helpful for that. Um, I do think it's important for us to cover this story, and I'm glad you wrote for us, because if we don't speak up, this could happen to someone at an institution where they don't have administrative support or... Sure they are early in their career um so you know they in some ways they they picked on uh the perfect person <laughs> because you you really have a, you know a wide audience but say a young professor who is trying to be uh theologically uh, and ethically um, 
open might get in trouble for the same thing, unfortunately. Do you, as you're, you know, when you wrote about this, you really helped people understand why it happened. Do you, you know, you're, you contributed to a book with a lot of other authors. Have you heard if they've had any pushback or if they're worried that their IBM TE um, certification is in jeopardy? Uh, actually, I have an appointment uh, uh, via Zoom tomorrow with uh, Tihomir Lasic from Newbold, uh -huh. who is also in the ASRS, and uh, we will. He, he wanted to to have a a dialogue with me to make sure directly how it is going on everything. And he mentioned that there have been some other cases, not as bad as, as mine, in the sense that endorsement was, were not taken off, but uh, also a new bolt in other uh, uh, you know, unions in, in Europe. So he was a bit concerned about that in order uh, uh, that a, a restrictive policy uh, may not take place, you know, in a so uh, explicit way, at, at least in, in, in our division. But I don't know of a specific cases. He does, and he will probably tomorrow tell me something, something about but with what is important, as you was uh, you were saying, is not uh, my specific case. You know, if, if even if uh, uh, I have your solidarity and so on, but it's, it, it is the general process. The general process. Uh, uh, yeah. I'm not advocating for a free rule system. You know, we have a system. We need to have also rules, enter more or less on those rules. But they this rule must be. Uh, reasonable, open, explicit, you know, and that we should guarantee to our theologians, to our teachers. That is, you know, in play now. I don't know how much explicit it is in the other divisions, but there is a kind, as I was writing in the article I, I wrote for Spectrum, there is a kind of a, a hardening in the general perspective you know, uh, in Europe, it has not touched uh, uh, specifically, maybe, you know, except one case, but, uh, you know, I have been also very slow in the reaction. They have fired uh, a colleague, a friend of mine, actually, a couple of years ago in Colonge, mm. Jean-Luc Roland. You know, uh, I think I have been uh, I have been too slow in reacting. I have expressed my solidarity to him and so on, but actually they have completed the process. He's no more. He is actually in a trial because they deprived him two years before his retirement of his role as, as professor, but also of housing and so on, you know. Is the only case I, I know, but unfortunately, it's too late. There is nothing we can do about, and the, it, uh, it 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 happened in in our division. 
You know, yeah. it, it, we couldn't, we were not able of reacting. We knew that maybe too late or, but we could have done uh, something more, I think. I regret that. Yeah, was that, I'm not familiar with that case or the kind of particulars of what's happening. It's happening in Colonge in France. Was it, so over, was it over a theological dispute? Yeah, it was a theological, because he was also, besides being one of the teachers in the systematic theology department, he was also the director of the White Stand Center for Europe. And it, fundamentally, he was accused of being too much ecumenical and too much uh, LGBT friendly in his speeches, the invitations he accepted, you know, actually things that are unthinkable because here we are Villa Aurora, do worse than that. But the problem is that they, that in Cologne, they depend directly from the division. So for much less, they can have problems, they, they may have problems, you know, and that's that what actually hap happened with Professor Roland. Roland. Okay. Thank you for mentioning that. I'll look into it. It's interesting that it's happening in Europe in part because there's a sense, you know, that there's a little bit more, there has been a little bit more flexibility for religion scholars in Europe, but it looks like, is there a sense that this was, these two incidents were, um, kind of new, that this is a new experience, or at least it hasn't happened in a while? It didn't happen in a while. Uh, I mentioned also uh, a, a new phenomenon in Europe, is actually that the European church in itself is fundamentally dying by the numbers. I mentioned that in my article for 350 million inhabitants of this division, not the trans-European. No. We have uh, 180,000 Adventists only, and 8,000 are in Romania. So all the other countries divide a little bit, you know, there are 10,000 Adventists for 60 million Italians, just to give, but all the countries are more or less like this. And the trans-European division is even worse because don't, they don't reach even 80,000 members over the whole division, you know. And if we take into account that most of those Adventists are non-European Adventists, so the picture gets even worse because those Adventists are very important for nourishing the church in the sense of bringing, you know, a, uh, a nicely atmosphere, you know, friendship, belonging, were not uh, by them, the church, uh, the European, in many places, the church uh, would have already closed. So we need to thank them. But at the same time, they bring a very narrow uh, theological manifesto. And as it happens, you know, it applies also for the uh, Eastern European countries, yeah, because it's a, 
it is as they were not uh, uh, Europeans in the mind setting. They express a, a very radical, you know, identitarian Adventism. And what has happened is that most of the leaders of the division now come from these uh, Euro uh, East European countries. Mm -hmm. So they apply that the president is a Portuguese, the the secretary is a Romanian, the educational department leader is a Romanian, the religious liberties are Romanian. So I, do, I don't know why the other European leaders, French, German, Italian, have, have disappeared of this division. And we don't discriminate, surely. No, my, my me myself, I'm I, I not have an European last name. I'm Gutierrez, South American. So I would say that whatever name can be European, with under one condition, that whatever name he has or background, ethnic background, he thinks as a European. You know, that is the condition to 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 be as a leader in the, in the European Church. And that is what is not happening to, in my opinion. So we are contemplating a, a change in atmosphere you know, that has already verified itself uh, since some time already in the churches, but not in the leadership. Because in the leadership we maintain until some years, you know, uh, European leadership. But now it's happening in the other way around so i don't know what will that will bring you know? and that united with the you know the ted wilson push uh, that doesn't help and that gets even even, even worse you know that is uh, my the big picture the big yeah. picture I, I i have but more probably if they keep going this way, they will be a big fracture, you know, because one, for instance, of the letters the German pastors, uh, a theologian wrote to me that they wanted a federative Adventism. And they say, we, we, we cannot convince the other. They call themselves Adventists, but we are not like them. We are nearer to the Lutherans who are not Adventists than to those Adventists who are not Europeans. So there is no another solution that's a federative solution. I don't think that is uh, feasible in the uh, future, near future, but if they, they keep pushing uh, this way, sometimes that will happen in the future. I, I, I don't want to be prophetic in this because I, I would like to, uh, the church maintain a unity not only uh, theologically, but administratively, but it's becoming really very, very difficult. Yeah, I said some Europeans, uh, for instance, uh, Julian Hollander, uh, 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 yeah. a Dutch leader mm -hmm. uh, who was uh, the, of the pastoral association a long time, maybe secretary with that uh, conference, uh, wrote me before Christmas and he told me, you know, um, I'm not protesting. I not uh, feel that this church represents me. I just do my job. I, I don't have the strength to fight against. It's all uh, unuseful, and the, I keep doing what I need to do. 
and I remain like this in my little circle. You know, it's, some Europeans are, are reacting like this. They don't fight. Uh, you know, um, they are very apathic in this. And somehow the European soul has become very uh, cynic in this, very, you know, detached. No? Uh, a lot of our, even Italian Adventists just uh, keep uh, going with the Valdensians, with the Calvinists, and, and the, more than attending our meetings. Just because uh, they, they don't, they don't have the strength, the you know maybe the conviction to to find against that. They say it has happened, it happens to us, and that's it. We just uh, uh, take note of this. Let's talk maybe a little bit more about that that sense of uh, Adventism. I mean, it's a very declinist narrative that you're presenting, other than essentially immigration coming into the country, Adventism would be a very small presence there. Um, do you, I don't mean, I don't, I know you don't want to be kind of prophetic and think about what might come, but as you're seeing that often the trend is you have, I mean, this is a trend that's been repeated in um, various denominations where you have, you know, in the last uh, couple of uh, decades, you have massive losses in more progressive churches like the Episcopalian Church here in the U.S., the Anglican Church uh, in in England, Presbyterians. Um, do you, what's your as you as you think about what you do? It sounds like people are kind of like, I'm thinking of Candide, Voltaire's Candide, where yeah. you're certainly not Panglossian. Instead, you're just going to tend your own garden and, you know, let what comes come, not really fight against the dying of the light. Can you, can you think of where, where do you find meaning in that, um, that declining Adventism? or at least the tensions that exist uh, thanks to factors that are much stronger, like geopolitical changes. Yeah, actually I have just uh, sent uh, today uh, my column to, uh, to Spectrum, to Rich. And I try to say that it's increasingly in the World World Church, the conviction that the European church is an atypical church, anomalous church, and even an apostate church, because there are no numbers, no enthusiasm and so on. But I try to argue positively from a qualitative point of view that the European church represents, represents a richness to the, to the church, because even if, if it's not very militant, represent an alternative that, that, that we shouldn't lose uh, because uh, particularly in this period we are you know trying to get a very uh, homogeneous church that is very dynamic you know that is true the South American church is a very dynamic church but what is hidden behind is a very monolithic church 
and that is not a positive characteristic because behind a very homogeneous church you have actually the the poorness of an identity that is unilateral you know and in the opposite way this kind of uh, anomalous uh, european adventist identity is a value that even the europeans don't are not aware of and we need to you know i know that is not the only place you have also the californian uh, the some part in the americans uh, uh, a very similar progressive adventism but uh, in america that is more elitarian it seems to me to who is a professor who has studied while in europe is the normal population of the membership who has this progressive trend i don't know why maybe the education the history i don't know also in peru and south america are progressive adventists but there are you know very well trained people not the common people here in europe is the common members of the church have this probably probably you know because our uh, adventist membership it has not gone in adventist educational system probably but that is for me a disadvantage because i would like to have in europe uh, you know elementary high schools but the opposite has happened that this fact of not having in, in, in italy for, for instance we don't have any school at all adventist elementary nothing we have only the seminary so all our children my children four children included have attended public schools you know and they don't think like adventists even if they remain friends of the adventist no so naturally a different adventist mindset in is created it seems not from now from but from the very beginning you know and i think that this is a, a richness that the europeans themselves should uh, value much more in the worldwide church also should value more actually because it's a, a kind of you know a kind of a internal alternative that we cannot lose when a movement a church or whatever is not able to create you know internal alternatives you know the the effect external effect is more or less similar we detach ourselves from the others because both go together we don't create internal alternatives we don't dialogue with people outside it's the same the opposite uh, or the other way around you know we don't speak with other people outside we don't create internal alternatives you know and that is a uh, what, what, what is happening you know so i'm even if i think i see this negative trend uh, i not i'm still positive you know my european friends even italian pastoral colleagues are, are very pessimistic about this i don't know because maybe because i'm not originally from europe completely i come from elsewhere i, I have a kind of implicit uh, you know hope that something will turn well somehow you know the european soul is very melancholic in this is it's a more distrustful you know 
uh, th there is a, a French uh, uh, psychoanalyst, uh, Miguel Benesellac, that has wrote a, a very interesting book about the European soul. Uh, the title is The Europe, the Region of the Sad Passions. You know? <laughs> And that's, that is particular. You Americans are not like this because even if you are, you know, as every other ethnic group have many souls, still you have a kind of, of vision of future and even a spectrum shows this, you know, you move, you try, you know, and the European is not like, not like this, at least no more like this. And the, uh, that is a bit, uh, you know, unfortunate. And the wish we, we need actually Adventists, maybe who are not necessarily European, like me, for example, but who think European in order to 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 do something for for this this situation, you know, a, a, because the, a particular, for instance, in Italy, because prophetically we say. You know, we have we have the Catholicism, and you know, you don't have, uh, you know, a, a, a Italian Adventism that confronts with the Catholicism at the end of times in an intelligent way. So you are lose the battle before it starts. You know, so this is the reason it's important to to keep you know trying in Europe with European or not Europeans, but they anyway think as Europeans, because uh, I, I say that also wrote in my article, if we from, uh, you know, in Italy, uh, 10,000 have in the near future, uh, 50,000 or 100,000 Adventists, uh, most of the people we see in that a victory. But if they are not uh, European thinking, we have lost the battle because we don't need more Adventists who are not the Europeans. We need Adventists who think as Europeans. Otherwise, the Adventist Church will disappear in Europe, even if numerically we may have a lot of foreigners. You know, that's not the the point. The point yeah. is to safeguard, you know, this identity. You make a interesting point about you know we. Adventism is so, you know, we're excited when someone is baptized. We're even more excited when 10 people are baptized. There's definitely a triumphalist uh, optimism there. Um, and it's very teleologically driven, right? You know, we have, if we cover the earth, everyone gets a chance, you know, the end will come. But you point, your point there is that often in that in, in the numerical success, you use the word dynamism, there's actually a fragility. I, you didn't use that word, but that's my word for it, that it's driven often by your word there is kind of a, un, a, a unified theological mindset, which can be quite fragile, actually, if it encounters, it doesn't know how to actually exist in the world and, you know, at a very practical level, that can be very harmful in the home. Uh, an authoritarian, know-it-all uh, patriarch, uh, there's a long history of that repelling um, future generations. 
And we really have that in Ted Wilson. I'm not making you say that, but from my observation, he really does in his uh, public speaking throw out very dangerous language that the average um, members pick up on. You know, if your pastor's saying this, get rid of him, essentially, is what he's often telling people. And that is clearly what you're, you know, you're in some ways the first or, or an early canary in the coal mine in this mentality again. We've seen it before in the past, but in this case, uh, I'm curious if you could expand on that, given that you have in some ways embodied the immigrant experience and you, you know, you talk uh, about the European mind and the model of that, which I would assume is a sort of openness and is not um, so concerned about policing the borders of thought. Um, so could you kind of expand on what yeah. you mean by that? Yeah, actually, Ted Wilson, I, I remember I wrote the the first article on the Adventist magazine here uh, in Italy, uh, two weeks after uh, the first election of Seth Wilson. And I didn't expect to be much prophetic, <laughs> but actually it has turned this way, you know. Everything that I, I said in the article, it was written in 2010. Yeah. Can you send that, that to me? Could you find I, I can. Yeah, it's in Italian, but I will send to you. Yeah. And, uh, you know. I can get it translated. But, but uh, you know, you know, the. We don't need to be too drastic, too reactive in this, you know, in the column. Sure, I'm in, in, in trying to make my point something are, are very schematic. But, uh, you know, I don't criticize Ted Wilson or, or the people in with his position for the fact of being like this. You know, every Adventist has the right to have its own position, theological position, ecclesiological position. You know, I, I say this because I have all, a lot of people, uh, they are people to me in South America, that I couldn't deprive them of the right to interpret the Adventist enzyme in, in a similar way. But what I'm resisting completely is the, you know, the overlap uh, that Wilson implicitly in the past, more explicitly in recent times, makes about his position and the general Adventist outlook. That is inappropriate, I think, because if I recognize that a president interprets the general lead leading of the church also after his own personal traits, that is inevitable, you know, unavoidable, you know, what is not appropriate is identify completely the whole Adventism with his personal position, because other Adventism or other sensibilities are not you know, recognized by this attitude. And that is what seems to me inappropriate. But this is, and you were mentioned this, a weak position. It appears a very, you know, daring, a very bold position, but actually it's, it's a weak position. 
it's a weak position because you don't have alternatives. You you lose the capacity of you know making uh, some compromises that are inevitable in life. The people who don't compromise are pure strong, but actually they are not because they have a a weak identity. You know, and that is what, in my view, happens with uh, 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 Ted Wilson. What we often ignore is that that weakness that we take uh, uh, very often as just vulnerability is also dangerous because a vulnerable person who is not, you know, able to die with people can't detach from others, but in a moment of desperation can be very aggressive. So uh, both ways, you know, a weak identity is not the best, not only because it's passive and suffer others, but it can happen the other way around, can be very aggressive, and we don't take in account this. Fortunately, we don't have armies, we don't have worldly power, otherwise we Adventists would, would be a very, you know, dangerous <laughs> institution, you know, because we would have already born somebody or I don't know, you know. But uh, this is, you know, the limit of a weak position. We need, in order to survive well, you know, to try to, be, to have a more differentiated identity in because it's in our own benefit uh, uh, that that will will happen, you know. And the, another thing you, uh, that I, I forgot now concerning the, you know, the uh, the vulnerability. Uh, but anyway, you know, this is commenting what you were telling. Maybe yeah. can, uh, we'll come back uh, later hey, on in in your book. Uh, beyond the Bible, beyond the West, the eros of interpretation, and what you're saying here, it reminds me a little bit of. Uh, do you know the the Italian theorist Gianni Vattimo? Yes. So you know he's associated with this term weak thought. Yeah, which comes out of a Heideggerian framework. Can is that in kind of what you're talking about? I, for me, it was helpful in in sort of breaking apart the 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 idiot this the idea that if you kind of structure an ideology, that it will in some way get you to some sort of truth. But it, he, you know, he is in many ways a. Uh, a uh, anti-foundationalist in in helping us think about how truth itself is constructed uh, in contingent ways. I know we only have I have another interview in ten minutes here, so I don't expect you to unpack <laughs> all of that. But maybe would you talk a little bit about why you think it that you know love? We don't have to call it weak, but it's certainly you know I would say that. Ted doesn't come to uh, his hermeneutic is not one of love, uh, but you are encouraging us to think about love, uh, which some might associate with weakness, but instead there's some beautiful strength there. 
Yeah, actually, you are uh, tackling a, a very important point, you know. We can call it in various ways. We have a uh, speak, you have uh, quoted uh, Gianni Battimo of a weak thought. Uh, we can call it uh, a vulnerable way of thinking or an incomplete thinking because we cannot pretend to a final synthesis, you know. And actually, it comes very near of what our pioneers think about uh, the truth, uh, you know. But we have lost, you know, the the, the perspective in the way because uh, while our pioneers intended, uh, you know, the the Adventist experience as being in the way, we have, uh, you know, made a final synthesis, and we we we, we express a uh, a strong thought that is definitive, that is final, you know. And that doesn't help, doesn't help. We need to rediscover in more technical way, a more technical way. I like to speak about a kenotic theology. Kenotic in this, normally is applied to Jesus, no? his kenosis, because he detached from all his heavenly power, he came to earth. But actually, the, the kenosis is not only a Christological event, it's also a Trinitarian event. And part of my book, the second part, just speaks about this. You know, because if you are not kenotic, so you pretend you are complete. If you are complete, you are not relational because you satisfy yourself alone. Sure, you enter in interaction with others, but just as an, a kind of, you know, additional, but the others don't make part of the identity. A weak thought or anthropology of the incompleteness means that the other doesn't come just afterwards when you are sure of yourself, but actually arrive before because you articulate your identity in a relation, relational terms. And so you are not certainly dependent completely of the other, but you are not fashion, fashioning yourself detached from others. That is what, you know, a canonical a, a understanding of identity or Trinitarian or Christological or also ecclesiological because in my book I speak about kenotic uh, e e e e ecclesiology or kenotic anthropology. What does it mean? That means that we are relational, you know. And uh, I understand this not in an ethical way because uh, a lot of people, uh, uh, Richard Rice has a lot uh, written a lot of this, you know, in the sense that God is not love because in him love is a virtue. Love is relational because he is vulnerable. And what he does for others, says uh, Rick, you know, so God does a lot of things because he is loving, but also because he's loving, he is influenced by what the people do. And that is a kenotic identity. Otherwise, you will be the hero of the situation, you know? And we don't need heroes now. Ted Wilson now is a hero. He's, he has a messianic figure, you know? 
He he wants redeem not only the Adventists but the world. But he's not redeeming anybody because he's not, uh, you know, uh, coping the true, uh, uh, you know, biblical understanding of love that is akenatic love. In akenatic love, you do certainly because you are an active person, but also you have no problems in receiving from others because you are influenceable by what others do, and that is what. Means God is love. God is loving because He's able also of receiving the reaction of His creatures. You know, I don't know why it's difficult to understand that for Adventism and for this last generation theology for for Wilson and, and so on. But it's so clear in the in you know in the understanding and the deep reading of the Bible. And and just for finishing this, all. All my book, even if it seems that we have not spoke about, actually we have spoke uh, speaking about a lot because all those are topics of what I have I have uh, written in my book because I fostering a kind of a kenotic hermeneutics. A kenotic hermeneutics is the kenotic hermeneutics of people who understand the Bible not as a last word, you know. We have deformed the Bible at this. It has become an odious book, an horrific book, you know, self-sufficient. The Bible says everything has the last word, an horrible book. If God is like his book, he's even worse than that. So it cannot be the picture. The Bible is a relational book as God and doesn't say everything. That's not the last word because what the Bible says is said in a particular way in order to motivate the other's answer, you know. That is the relational hermeneutic or the chaotic hermeneutics. And uh, the title, even if it's a bit provocative beyond the Bible, beyond the West, uh, it actually means that beyond that monolithic understanding of the Bible and that monolithic understanding of the West, that that is uh, exemplarily, you know, concretized in Ted Wilson's uh, Adventist. You know, uh, he presents himself as having, you know, the unique, correct reading of the Adventism of the Bible, you know, this is completely anti-biblical, you know, and uh, all my book is about this, sure, taking a lot of historical, you know, so I'm, I agree with Gianni Vattimo in the sense that we need to, because he writes, you know, in a context of Europe also had been anti the uh, mid and 19s, you know, Europe had been all very presumptuous in the worldwide universalism. They wanted to educate everybody, every culture. They knew the last version of everything, you know. And Gianni Battimo represents, maybe with some exaggerations, with other thinkers, you know, who are not necessarily theologians. They represent a, a kind of a call to a moderation to you know discretion you know we uh, uh, i don't know is you know an a, a french author a very known author uh, bruno latour mm -hmm. he's a french philosopher he has written a, 
a little book we presented here in, in our uh, university where he says, you know, uh, Europe has been very presumptive in the world. There are some people who want to silence Europe. That's not possible. But we could, and following Gianni Vatimo, we could have in Europe a moderate, a chaotic thinking, you know, yeah. not disappear, but abandon the presumption we had in the past we, because we have something to say. Yeah. And, and taking, you know, with, finish with this, Deepesh Chakravarti, he's a, a, a renowned uh, specialist of the Chicago University of Postcolonial Studies. All his work has been translated in all the European languages, also in, in Italian. He has a, a book with the title Provincializing Europe. And this is a kind of way of chaotic thinking. He's not extreme. He doesn't say we just need to silence Europe because in the past has been very pretentious. No, we need Europe. But Europe is not the world. Europe is a province, important province in the world, and we need to interact with it. Actually, I'm very fortunate, thankful, because uh, Chakrabarti uh, wrote the blog for my book in the cover, yeah. you know, in the back of the cover, you know. Yeah. And uh, it is another way, provincializing Europe, it's another way of retaking Gianni Batamos, you know, call, yeah. you know, we need a more sober thinking. Yeah. When will that happen in Adventism? I don't know. I don't know. You know, we are too militant, to, uh, but we hope. And Spectrum is doing an excellent the job in, in, in creating a more sober Adventist. And this is the reason Thank I you. love you so much. <laughs> <laughs> well, we love you too. Thank you so much for talking with Raquel and me today. And um, we'll release this to the world. I think it's a great conversation. We will not fear. The kingdom is alive. The kingdom's on the move.